Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are broadcasting to you from my studio on my sumptuous balcony here in Las Vegas, Nevada. You may occasionally hear a bird chirp in the background. You may hear a vehicle on a distant road go by. You may hear somebody who can't figure out how to punch in their code on the security gate that's off to the side of the park that my balcony looks down upon. And as you hear me describe these things, think about where you've been, where you've had some of those most profound discoveries, those most profound revelations. Were you walking in the park? Were you sitting out on the deck? Were you hanging out at a cafe, coffee shop, a cigar shop, the networking session after the seminar or before the seminar? Were you driving along? These things tend to happen when we're going about our lives. And so we take the Business Creators Radio Show into the field in alignment with my very rigorous laptop lifestyle. Today, we're sitting outside on the balcony and we're having a Really good time. It's finally starting to warm up here in Las Vegas after our extended desert winter. And we are going to discuss today something that is near and dear to so many of our listeners, something that so many of us, including me to a degree, have struggled with the art of scaling your business. We have somebody with us who we have been aiming to get on to our show for a long time. I'm so happy that we're able to sit down with him and have a conversation. His name is Andrea D'Agostini, and let me tell you about him. He's a serial entrepreneur, renowned public speaker, successful mentor, and most recently the president and CSO of a company called Origin Clear. He's helped thousands of people around the world scale their businesses and learn the advanced fundamentals of marketing and has been featured in outlets such as Forbes, Vanity Fair, and MarketWatch. Two out of those three I actually pay attention to. I'll leave it to the listener to guess which ones they are. And with that, Andrea, come on in. The weather's fine. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Adam. Thank you so much for the introduction. It's beautiful to be together. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, before we dive in, because I really want to have a conversation about this whole scaling issue here, what we like to do on Business Creators Radio is first, I'll read off the official bio that you as the guest submit to me. And candidly, yours is so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here. And this is my show. But (laughs) let's hear a little bit about your story. Let's hear about what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, what it is that motivated you, what it is that happened, what it is that's gotten you here today. All right. So thank you very much for the question. Story-wise, in terms of what brought me here, uh, my first love was for the arts. So I was first and foremost an artist and I've done a mini TV show and I acted in many shows. And the reason why I decided that I was an artist was by exclusion. Because when I was in high school, I wasn't cool. Uh, I wasn't part of the cool kids. I wasn't part of the people very much into 
politics. I didn't do drugs. So long story short, I was in any particular group. I could not get girls. So by exclusion, I was like, well, I must be an artist then. And so that's how I started. And um, I've done over 300 live shows and I've done many soap operas uh, as an actor. So as you can imagine, I learned to act uh, like a soap opera actor, which means that whatever, whatever was the sentence, whatever was the line to say, I was saying everything like this. You know, when you speak like, hi, how are you? Everything was the same. So uh-huh. I've done that for a little bit. And then um, I came to the conclusion that the quality of the communication, especially in television, wasn't so, wasn't so interesting. And at that point in time, I decided to move on. I thought I could do more as a producer than, uh, than as an actor and, and a host. And I needed to expand. Um, so I opened my first uh, production company. And with that, we we did a very good job and we succeeded. We acquired customers like Sephora, like Pandora, Lacoste. And we started to do their digital communication and their social media. So we launched many social media campaigns for them at that point in time. 2013, I sold uh, uh, the agency and I took a year off. I went to, I moved to the United States, really, in 2013, in uh, August 2013. Right. And um, about, uh, I, I thought about taking a year off, but a few months later, six to seven months later, um, the CEO of a company, a very tiny company at that point in time, which is called American Power and Gas, um, asked me if I wanted to become their vice president to help scaling the company, taking it to uh, a new level. It was at that point in time, a small energy firm of about, about $23 million. So it's very tiny as an energy company. We right. scale it up to 387 by 2017. And then uh, uh, we went better after that. And um, in 2021, I decided to move on because it was a challenge and, and it was very much one in my, in my universe. I wanted to move on. And uh, so we, we, I took uh, my, my wife, which is an incredible inspiration to me. She was just completing the, her TV show. Um, the TV show's name is Woman of the Movement. It's with our movie production company. The, the movie production yeah. company is called Serendipity Group. And she produced Woman of the Movement, which has been airing on uh, ABC. And now it's available on Hulu. Um, and she had also a, a small marketing firm she was managing. So I bought the, uh, the partner and we scaled that little firm from uh, a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Right now we are over $2 million in just a few months. And we are on target to do 15 this year, which we will. And we do it by scaling a bunch of uh, businesses and participating to their growth. So that's the fastest way really to, to scale a business, to grow businesses by acquisition and by participation. Those are the two fastest way, way, way better than going organic, you know? Acquisition and participation. See, before we got online here, I checked out some stuff. I went to your website, your eponymous website, and I noticed that there's a section on it that's called who we are and who we are not. And every time I see those types of headlines and subheadlines, I get really intrigued. And I really resonated with the first two sentences. We're Mm -hmm. not trying to build an agency. I'm not looking for thousands of customers, nor am I looking to build a big office with thousands of people. How many times over the years have I attended these webinars and clubhouse meetings and every other damn thing about scaling. And it's all about, Mm -hmm. you've got to build a team. So these people will go to attend one webinar and then they'll come out and say, I've hired five virtual assistants, three copywriters, two webmasters, four social 
media managers, and mm -hmm. I even now have a personal assistant who will be dealing directly with my masseuse and petting my <laughs> dog for me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So which credit card did you max out for the first month retainers? And yeah. what is your plan to actually recoup that? This is very interesting. I'm seeing on the verge of bankruptcy. And I can speak from a bit of experience here. My first, after I became an entrepreneur full-time, what was originally a research firm that helped training and development companies develop curriculum became a web development firm somehow just by the nature of the types of referrals and the types of work mm -hmm. that were available to me easily is I had to raise capital quickly in order to actually survive off the thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was given that advice. Well, you've got to hire web designers and hire webmasters and hire project managers and everything else. And I almost jumped off my balcony head first several times. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 got, I, I got to the point where, among other things, I destroyed my printer because it ran out of ink while printing a sheet of paper. I well, There's more to the story now, and I cover it in my book. It's actually about the power we as entrepreneurs have to change our luck and change our lives. Uh, mm. But I also, but it's like I'm thinking, this was something I originally was actually kind of enjoying, and now it seems like I do two things during the day, one of which is I put out everybody else's fires, and the other is, is I have to remind my clients over and over again that they have somebody who's assigned to guide their projects and they need to communicate with that person and not deliberately remove that person from email communications and attempt to deal only with me. Mm, that was my yeah. entire life. Uh, there was that. Wow. There was calculating how much money I was paying to other people and mm -hmm. in terms of not only this large network of outsourcing, but also all the referral partners, some of whom had foisted referrals upon me just so they could earn, candidly. I mm -hmm. can come out and say that now. And so that was, yep. my, and that was my version of scaling. And by the time I was done with scaling, I was ready to just chuck the whole thing. So this leads yeah. to my first question. And mm -hmm. that is, you, know, you mentioned that there are two effective ways to scale. What mm -hmm. are some of the Okay, so what are some of the challenges that you ran into as you went through that discovery process of figuring out the two effective ways to scale? Mm. So, um, well, it's just a matter of where you want to be and how fast you want to get there. But most people want to obviously scale a business, uh, scaling a business past the seven figures, maybe toward uh, the eight figures. It's a yeah. relatively, it's a relatively a uh, simple uh, task and which happened in my career for various businesses that I have either managed or helped. So that part is doable. Now you need to think about cash flow and uh, and, and revenue, uh, cash available. So that's a different story. So you can, right. you can grow a lot, not making money. And uh, the second one is speed and effectiveness. If, and also I gotta say, uh, predisposition, like how are you built? Like I am not somebody, I, I don't do triathlon, uh, but uh, I can do weightlifting, but not triathlon. It's a very different skill set. Right. So that's the same thing in business. You need to build a business that kind of resonates with your competences and your abilities. In my particular case, what I have observed is that the organic approach toward growth was extremely boring to me. 
meaning acquire one customer at a time and, and so on and so forth, didn't really resonate with me. And the thing that I am the best at and I can train people on and I can build like a small Navy SEALs team on is uh, really entering into an existing business, into a vertical and making that particular vertical make money. And then uh, there is much more money in uh, participating to the growth rather than having a fee uh, as an agency. It's uh, right. significantly better. So normally uh, the first uh, um, uh, representation of this approach was to evolve the customers that we had into partners, saying to them, okay, there is no fee for the agency, but we want a piece of the pie. We want a, an equity position and we want to have a, a percentage on the weekly uh, the, the weekly income. Um, so basically lowering the upfront risk for the business and increasing the upside for us if we win, if we do a good job. That of course went out very well. Then when you start to uh, observe that, okay, if I want to go to, let's let's uh, use a big number that seems really big, impossible and super tough and everybody will die. Let's say a hundred million dollars, which is uh, the target. But granted, I know how hard it is because I did it before. Right. Uh, so but let's say a hundred million dollars for uh, in, in the next uh, 18 months or less. Well, if you think about growing organically, and if you take the best marketing strategies that you have used, and you 10x them, you probably want to get there. Most likely you want to get there. So the right way to, to do is, if, if you have the skill set, is way easier to buy revenue than to develop them organically, like by a factor of, by a factor of 10. And then optimize existing businesses once you have acquired them, allows you to free up even more cash if you decide to go in this direction. So for us, is way is way, way, way easier to do it like that. And it makes, it makes so much more sense. So we're right now buying four other uh, businesses that will bring us to the eight figures this year, hopefully by the end of the second um, quarter and then up from there. So that's the way to do it. And it's not rocket science, but it also requires, you need to be built like that. So it needs to be resonating with you. That's what I'm saying. First thing I picked up is just what you just said, the idea of what resonates with you personally. The idea of being somebody who puts out fires and shells out cash all day did not appeal to me. My CPA <laughs> yes, I thought understand. I was crazy when I just shut down the model. And then I showed mm -hmm. him, oh, no, 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 no. It makes more money this way. Yeah, it actually does. Because <laughs> so much of that stuff I was doing was actually costing me so much more than it brought in. I was better off without it. I totally understand. I've, so what, what gone you... through, sorry, I've, I've gone through several periods, including that three-year yeah. period from 2014 to 2017, where I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And it seemed like every time I tried to bring this up to mm -hmm. folks in my, whether it was my mastermind groups, whether it was on these webinars I attended, whether it was friends or what have you, it came down to two things. Uh, and I, and I think I cover this in some of my curriculum in the podcast reach system. It came down to, well, what you got to do is you got to build a team and leverage. And, mm -hmm. and, they, and they would always have these bright ideas for me that involved me being a servant to other people in the background. And finally, I listened to this for the 15th time. I said, wait a minute, mm -hmm. wait a minute. What is this? 
yeah, is, 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 is that all you people think I'm good for is to is to help somebody else be successful while I get paid a fee? Well, what about my goddamn book? And what about my course? And what about my celebrity expert branding? Do you ever think about me? Because I seem mm-hmm. to be the only one thinking about me here. Mm-hmm. I actually worded it a lot more profanely than that. <laughs> and so and so and so my my coach at the time, or he's my coach now as well, Captain Jim Palmer heard all this and he said that's that's quite a reaction. And I just have one question for you. Uh, what have you done to earn the right to get paid for your brilliance and your passion? Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out I'd done a lot, but I'd never thought about it. And I think that I bring this up because when people think about scaling, sometimes they don't think about what value they actually bring. What is that? And I, and I refer to an intersection of your brilliance and your passion, because those, when those two things align, to me, it becomes electric. What Very much so. And because we don't ask ourselves these questions, and a lot of coaches are not gym and don't know to ask this question to people. They never even think about what have you done to earn that right? What have you done to develop that skill set? What have you done to position yourself? But if you just Mm. take a moment and think about it, you may already be there, but you never thought about it because no one told you that you were supposed to think about it. And now Mm -hmm. you have a foundation from which to launch your scaling springboard. That's a beautiful viewpoint. That's a beautiful viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. You're perfectly right. So can you please tell me the name of your book, if you wouldn't mind, because I would love to. I, I'd oh, love to I, I will be happy to tell you the name of my book. I mentioned it at least five times per episode. Groundhog, okay, Day, yeah. Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Available on Amazon <laughs> in multiple formats. Good. You can find it at www.thegroundhogbook.com. It is my story of how to follow something that I call the spring formula. That mm-hmm. involves adjusting your mindset, your business practices, your mm-hmm. language, and implementing principles of minimalism and essentialism to maximize your results. That's beautiful. And yes. tell me one more thing. Where do you prefer for it to be bought? You prefer it to be bought on, on Amazon or you prefer it on the website? Everything goes, everything ends up at Amazon ultimately. Okay, good. So then we're going to just go on Amazon. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I have other books that I'm working on that at least one of them is going to be sold exclusively through my website. I'm not in a position to say too much about that just yet. The Groundhog book came about as a result of me collecting stories. A lot of the stories within the book actually are adaptations of things I posted on my social media, comments I made on threads inside discussion groups that really got my brain working, and mm-hmm. stories I've told about experiences that I and others in my circle have experienced on our way to growth. And some of it actually does involve scaling in a way. Yep. I understand. Like we give, I understand. Like, yeah, like I give in my book and I want to get your thoughts on this. And this is for our listeners where the mastermind aspect of our show comes in. Uh, I have a, I have a prescription. If you have okay. a startup and you want to get from concept <laughs> And if you want to get out of the startup phase and pass the concept and all the endless PowerPoint slides about how you're eventually going to launch, what is the fastest way to do it? Mm-hmm. 
The answer oh, I, is I, the answer yeah. is go, go ahead. Get somebody to give you money to do something. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Get paid to do that thing. And it doesn't have to be perfect either. Just find a way to get paid to do that thing that your business says it's going to do. And all of a sudden, you're going to have less time for meetings. I led a startup into revenue a few years ago. And up until that point where it got into revenue, there were these quarterly retreats where everybody would be flown in by the founder to a certain city in the United States where we would basically spend three days on planning exercises. And uh, once we got into revenue, they they were suggested, you know what, we should uh, have some meetings about this and maybe we should even do a retreat. And I just loved it. Every single person on the team replied to say, I can't really come to your retreat. We're kind of busy making money for you right now. <laughs> thinking, That's beautiful. I was thinking, yes. Yes, we're past the plenary stage. And another question came up is, well, well, when are we going to have our status meeting? Well, when we have some status. Right now we're working. That's fucking awesome. Thinking, wow, cool. (laughs) Yeah, this is really, this really, really cool. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, so I don't want to get your thoughts on just the idea that the fastest way to get out of startup mode is to get paid. Yeah, it's it's really uh, yes. The concept is uh, you, you need to have a deadline. You need to be committed to it. You cannot. You need to be in a position where you cannot fail. Right. So yes, yeah, so you you have summarized it beautifully. That would be a beautiful way to exit from startup phase. There, there is a whole yeah. The, we could talk a lot about uh, the philosophy of being a startup. The concept of pivot before finishing the money. There there are various items that come into play. But yes, getting paid and having a deadline that you need to deliver by something uh, it's a very good position to be in when don't you think about startups i gotta say also if we are in that particular um yeah let's say vertical is also to be very open n- not believing that your product is the answer to what the public needs and be very open to um what your case study user case study tells you uh, uh-huh. many examples come to mind where uh, a particular feature that was considered eh, whatever uh, by the founders became the feature that caused the company to go very very well. Uh, I have at least uh, four or five cases used that of companies that we have consulted and we help scale that had this type of circumstance, this type of event occurred. Uh, one is, for example, um, sales chat. Sales chat went from <clears throat> zero to about six million dollars, and I, I own thirty percent of it. And um, in a very short period of time, when we changed, it's a, it's a funnel platform. Imagine click funnels, but better, obviously, right, because right. I made I, it, so it's obviously yeah. better. I got and, the broad idea, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the thing. And um, we thought that the coolest thing about the platform was the fact that our page editor was super smooth and the way you can do automation was amazing and so on. We thought that that was the case. But the part that actually got everybody excited was the, the connection that we have made with phone calls, how you can make phone calls from the platform and receive phone calls and trigger automatic phone calls, and the way that part works, how you can make robocalling from the platform and so on. But we didn't expect it to be the killer feature, but that's what got people very excited. So if you're in startup phase, also keep an eye to what people actually are interested in. As far as getting paid for it, uh, there is one item that p- possibly um, that, that can be really key. 
um, and 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 it's really the deadline. But be sure that in the rush to getting money, you don't get money for the wrong thing. So you don't get money for something that is off mission, because uh, otherwise you're going to become a service company. You're not going to build whatever you're trying to build. But there you go. Those are my two cents on that. Right. So now I have a theory on how to make deadlines matter in two easy steps. Let's go. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I don't have my book right in front of me. And that's the funny thing. When you become a content creator, sometimes you don't remember the exact points of your own content. But I happen to know that there are two recommended strategies that come from me on mm-hmm. how to make deadlines matter. Uh, the okay. first, The first is to use the work that you're given. Hey, if I if you have somebody who you hire to do stuff for you mm-hmm. and they do the work and they keep handing in assignments, they keep handing in deliverables, they keep handing in projects and nothing ever happens. They never see the light of day. They never get tested in the marketplace. They never even get reviewed. Well, soon enough, their natural need for validation and to see their stuff work is just simply going to take their attention elsewhere. So, yeah, you can say, well, I need that report by Friday. You can say, that's cute. <laughs> and, here, and then here's the other one. And then here's the other one. It kind of ties into that. Create a dependency that involves okay. another human being. Well, okay. We did this with a couple clients of ours when helping them develop their email marketing strategies. And it was real simple. The person who curates the copy for their weekly e-newsletter or e-zine and the person who actually puts it into their email marketing system and sends it out are two different people. Hmm. Because it's easy for one person to say, even to the client, I'm sorry, I got overwhelmed. I missed your e-zine. Go ahead, fire me. I don't give a shit. Right? Gotcha. gotcha. Because, because really the only person that's getting hurt is yourself. Yeah, because sure. I mean, and you could lose that client and hey, you know, whatever. But there's something about the human need to not be seen as having failed, as having dropped the ball, as having let people down. That if you know that there's somebody who needs that copy by Wednesday so they can get that easy out on Thursday, you will find a way to get that copy done on Wednesday. Yep, that's pretty true. And I want and, and I want to draw another distinction. Well, you may be less concerned about failing for your client than failing for somebody who works for your client. Wasn't well, that funny how it works? For those of you who used to work, who used to be in a workplace, did you really care if senior management liked you or not? Probably not. Did you care if the person who sat across from you liked you or not? Probably very much so. Very much so. It's proximity. Yeah, very much so. Very true. Beautiful, beautiful analysis you've made. Definitely, your book is for sure uh, very rich with strategies and applied case studies, which is what people miss, really, instead yeah, of like the theory of things. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Well, let's keep this on you. Now, I introduced the thing about moving people from startup to revenue because mm-hmm. one of the things I'm curious about with you, Andrea, is how do your sales and marketing tactics change from startup? the business at the startup level to your multi-million dollar business. And along the way, what have you learned about working with these small businesses to massive businesses? Because there's there are differences between the startup, the small business, the medium-sized business, and so on and so forth. Oh, completely. Like completely, completely different in terms of what they can do and what they should do. 
So, uh, but your first question was related to my marketing in terms of how my businesses acquire new customers, or it was how we work for customers and expand their business. Right. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Maybe I, I mean, what do you want to know about how we acquire, how we changed in the way we acquire customers or how how we help? Let me me read the question again. How do your sales and marketing tactics change from Mm -hmm. startup to multi-million dollar business. I mean, what is that okay. evolution? And what are some okay. of the lessons that came up along the way? Uh, so if we're talking about scalability, mm-hmm. what our listeners need to know is that their tactics and their strategies for sales and marketing are going to need to evolve. You're not going to be able to do the same stuff that you did when your business made $100,000 as it did mm-hmm. when it makes $5 million. And there are mm-hmm. things that you don't get to do at $100,000 that you will get to do at $5 million. So that's what sure. we want to cover. Sure, sure. Okay, good. I got it. Uh, well, obviously, when you are when you have a, a, a small entity that, that is starting, you are everything. You're really everything and you are the life uh, of the organization. But if I can tell you what really started to change, because to become a big company, you need to first start to behave as, as a big company. Um, so before having hundreds of millions of dollars, you need to have that type of mindset in, across the group. Um, one of the major things that changed and that evolved the, the, our activities is, uh, first of all, our marketing has never been, we didn't do advertising, we didn't do any of those. People come to us through word of mouth. That's our main source of, uh, of clientele and companies. And, and as far as, uh, and then we have another line, which is really, we have uh, people that become passionate with what we do, other entrepreneurs that become passionate with what we do. And they really, they really start to become ambassadors for us. Uh, aside from my own speaking engagements that uh, very often yield a lot of uh, business, but um, progressively as you, as you evolve your position as a leader, you start to only do things that really matter or are related to the future. So one of the things that brought us to a whole new level was when we started to really apply the logic of financial planning to the organization and financial allocation. And um, uh, it gives, uh, uh, the way we do it brings the necessity to really yield the returns on uh, across the organization, really through the organization. Uh, because that's one of the main problems that you have when you have uh, an organization that is scaling is the perception. Um, like if you if you work in Apple or Sephora or so on and so forth, you have a very precise job description. You know what you're trying to do. They hire the best ones and uh, uh, you know you're going to be paid at the end of the month. So you don't really care about it. You don't really measure it. But right. if you're a small company that is starting and is growing, uh, the the CEO and the leader very much thinks about payroll at all times and very much is trying to have uh, enough for himself and for the rest of the group. But the group usually doesn't, usually. So uh, one of the first things that we had to do to evolve the speed of growth was to have the group think like that, think with that. So our financial planning, our income planning, and so on, allowed us to create uh, responsibility for the bottom line, for the revenue into each and every unit of the group. So we found a way to calculate that, how much this unit is contributing to the whole group. So that was one major target that if done earlier would have allowed us to scale scale earlier. 
The second thing is um, identify our um, strategic innovation. How are we going to innovate and how are we going to remain relevant? Right now, for instance, in Monarchy, we're about to launch Monarchy Capital, uh, where we're going to help companies raise capital as well as um, entrepreneurs to invest uh, in Dubai, Miami, with a few real estate operations. We are launching uh, probably mid-quarter Q2 uh, Monarchy Meta. Uh, we have a big partnership with uh, a major player in the blockchain world. So that will help a lot. Right. So how do you stay relevant? So we're, we're doing that. Um, identify very well goals, purposes, and uh, policies, uh, the rules of the game that people need to participate to. That helps a lot because it weeds out those that don't want to play the game. And uh, uh, and that's a very key component. When you're trying to accelerate, you need to have people that push rather than pulling the cart, if you will. Yes. Um, and uh, one of the best ways to do it is when you try to disseminate in your organization a wow culture. And the wow culture is really a powerful thing, which is not a wow culture toward the end customer. So that's very, if you will, common. Uh, the people try to give a great uh, product to their customers and wow them. The wow culture is not to wow the customer. That's a consequence. The wow culture yeah. is to make it so each uh, employee or staff member um, wants to wow the next one in line. So let's say that if you're a salesperson, you sell the customer so well that when it gets to finance, the guy's like, wow, it was sold amazingly well. No problem. Everything was ready. Yeah. And then when it gets to delivery, the guy's like, wow, this guy's really ready. can do it. You got it. You got my point. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So basically, let me make sure I got your point. The wow factor within the organization is if you have, whether we want to call it a daisy chain or an upline or whatever it is, a people who will deliver a project or deliver a sale from step to step to step to step to step that like let's say for example I'm in I'm in accounts payable. Yeah. I want to wow the next person and, down the line, which could actually be the mailroom guy for all I know. For example, whatever yeah. whoever is, whoever it is. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Let's say the delivery wants to wow so much the, the quality of the production, the quality control has nothing to say beside wow. And the product is so great that the customer then becomes an, like a, a, a promoter of the company, becomes a source of referral because it's such a success story and so on. So the wow culture is a very fast way to see who is on board when you present it. So when you present the, the concept of a wow culture to, to the staff, you will see immediately who wants to play that game and who instead is like, yeah, whatever. And you need to weed them out quickly. So that yeah. part was also quite uh, quite important. And finally, uh, if you the last point is to establish the top level execs and train them. So that will be the latest portion that really changed the activity. So or that is was my responsibility as uh, as the CEO. I'm, I'm not the CEO anymore. I, I hired a CEO. And at this point, I'm the chairman. But my day changed uh, dramatically, if you will. Yeah. In the in the way, yeah, it's con it's conducive. My job right now is to uh, ensure is not to know what happened today or if there is a customer that is upset and handle it. Unless unless it's one of the major ones. In that case, I probably will be involved. But in general, my job is to look for uh, what we're going to do next year. 
And uh, how are we going to scale 10x? What is the strategy that is going to get us there? Find new businesses to buy. You know, a different type of structure in uh, in my thinking, in my looking, in my in my everyday business. Yeah, this is some different thinking than we have within companies. And what I love about this is a couple things that jumped out at me about mm-hmm. how we start to think and behave like larger companies, even while we're in startup mode. I don't know a lot of large companies that spend Mm -hmm. most of their internal energy figuring out how to get cost per conversion up by 0.1% on their stupid Facebook ad that's been denied five times. And you mentioned not even running a lot of advertising. A big company, if they're even bothering with that form of awareness marketing, which more and more, they don't even need to. They have some department that handles it. And it may, I'm just saying candidly, maybe a box they check off. It's like, well, we got a few thousand dollars. We'll run a couple ads, whatever. All right. So there's that. Then what I love here particularly is this idea of the wow culture that's designed not just generally internally for giving your employees an amazing experience or your contractors or whatever, an amazing experience that will make them enthusiastic and ripple down or ripple up as the case may be to your customers and clients to whom they're going to be motivated to give greater service. It's just the idea that you go from step to step to step with the organization and you go very micro with this and it allows you to bring forward any misalignments and expectations any place where it seems like people are not on the same page. It allows you to surface people who are just not of the wow mindset and determine whether they are just not meant to be there or maybe something's wrong that could be fixed. Yeah, sometimes it can can be fixed. Usually I found out it too, that if a person has the willingness, it's about willingness Uh to, to be molded into a group member. I trust more somebody with a strong willingness to become competent than a person very competent with zero willingness to become a group member. You know, I so I remember I remember the last job I worked at before I became I went into entrepreneurship full time. And it got to that point where, and this is the dread of your cubicle farm environments. If you open up their door in their cubicle, And you see that they have printed out a copy of their job description, which has little bends on the corners and the staples a little loose. And it's got some coffee rings on it and a couple little doodles from where they had to scratch their pen on something to make it work. Because if they have a copy of their job description handy at that level, that means they're checking to make sure they're not doing a damn thing more than they need to. And where does that often come from? That comes from folks who tried again and again and again to go above and beyond only to be punished for it while they saw people who held to their job description bullet points praised for their innovation and contributions and team spirit. Uh, you know, I was that person. And this is during the last year I worked there and I was subjected to having an obtuse fucking moron of a boss's boss. And I've said that phrase 50 times <laughs> on 50 different episodes. I hope she hears it because she was really that bad. And she would prattle on and on and on about how my immediate supervisor said, said your, your supervisor says you make inconsistent errors. 
Well, mm-hmm. my supervisor's not telling me about any errors. Mm-hmm. So I, I so I, so after the, about the fourth time she rambled on about this and her favorite phrase was at the end of the day, it's like, okay. So I thought, okay, at the end of this day, I'm going to go to my supervisor and I'm going to say, I, I went up to him. I said, look, I, I heard you're going around telling people that I make inconsistent errors, but you're telling everybody except me. In fact, you're not telling me about any errors. So here's the deal. Until I get any, until I get feedback from you that shows me anything about any deliverable that needs to be adjusted to make it fit your definition of perfect. As far as I'm concerned, I am doing an A plus job and that damn well better be reflected on my next performance evaluation. You're on notice. Mm. You, I, and now at this point, I already had some short timers disease in me. So I had the, uh, I had the courage to say something like that. Got well, it. wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? I did my next round of deliverables uh, turned them in, uh, or we're going to make this up a Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, they're sitting on my desk and they had little, they had little post-it notes to it with little notes saying, okay, well do this thing differently, adjust this, change this language and A, B, C, D, and E. So yep. I immediately went through them, opened up the word documents and the shared network drive, made the changes, resubmitted them and got a note back the same afternoon saying, congratulations, your stuff is perfect. And then I just kept on going about this. And for a while, every time I turn in a batch of deliverables, perfect job or excellent work. Uh, There's just this one little thing. uh, It was so minor. I changed it myself. But let me explain it to you so you know to do it in the future. That's totally fine. That's good. And and for a while there, it kind of got me on board again. Not with the organization Mm -hmm. with a whole and certainly not with my boss's boss, but with my immediate supervisor within the work I was doing, I felt mm-hmm. somewhat motiv- motivated again for a while. Yep. So yeah. the reason I bring that up is because here you can apply the Andrea D'Agostini wow factor principle. What I was doing apparently was not wowing my immediate supervisor. And there was, uh, a, but- lack of, there was a lack of communication about what was going on there. And I, I said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about me. This has got to be said to me. I got it. Yeah. And, and you, you, had the right you, 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 you give me what I need. I'll show you some wow factor. I, I, I started turning in excellent and perfect deliverables. Once people explained to me what the hell that meant. It wasn't yeah. hard. I, I did not have a hard job to do and, and fixing my work for me, not telling me about it, and then claiming I make quote-unquote inconsistent errors is not going to get a wow factor out of me. It's going to get, I'll go work for your competitor out of me is what it's going to get. Or I'll just start my business and leave you behind out of me is what it's going to get. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's uh, obviously the concept of the wow factor goes yeah. back and forth, up and down, left and right. Uh, however, your overboard is a structure, but it's not a one-way street. It's, yeah, uh, it, it goes back and forth, right? If you can create a wow culture, it deals with uh, the way people relate to one another, quality of the communication. Um, it creates a beautiful atmosphere of demand from one another. But uh, like, like a nice, uh, um, like imagine imagine a sports team or basketball team, for instance. I was um, I was uh-huh. uh, in, in LA watching the Lakers recently, and they they count on one another but that count like they want extremely good performances from one another 
the idea is to be able, which is a challenge. Hey, that's why good executives are very rare, right? The challenge is to create a lot of mutual expectation on the quality of the work whilst keeping the, the tone level, the, the atmosphere light, engaging, cool, interesting, right? Because obviously the people that you work with or they work for you, they're not the owner of the business. What do you expect them to right. you know, operate and have the resilience uh, of, the, of the owner, right? So the game is you ask a lot from them and you give a lot to them. And guess what? Money is not the number one uh, element that generates good work. It, it can get a person to stay uh, if he's, you know, paid handsomely. Maybe stays whilst not being happy, but that doesn't trigger amazingly good work. Amazingly good work is just something that a person does out of sheer intention and desire, and that's that's about the atmosphere. So, if you will, there are two bank accounts that gets used when you work with a team. One is the financial one, which needs to be adequate, and the other one is. Um, the emotional one that needs to be filled up as well. So clearly, if you have a team that does never gets acknowledged for what they do or appropriately corrected with politeness for what they do, uh, then you're going to have a problem because one of the two bank accounts will run empty and uh, and then you're going to have trouble in that particular business for sure. Right. Uh, the, you know, the, that's it. So sometimes we won't have to, unfortunately, correct. And if it doesn't correct, let go even executives that are not able to create that atmosphere because that's part of the wow factor, my friend. It's part of it. It's just oh, yeah. part of it. Yeah. And the reason I brought up the example I brought up is you could have somebody, even alleged performance consultants or what have you, take a look at me in my fifth year in that company, sitting in my cubicle, uh, doing my weekly deliverables, got my job description printed out in my, in my drawer there and say, eh, he's not really doing the work. He's a lost cause. Or you could just dig in a little and find out that I wasn't being told what I needed to know to do my job. Of course. And that was of the course. only fix that was needed. Yep. And unfortunately, Heyman is more common than, than one might think. Uh, the yeah. lack of uh, clear instructions or the lack of support. Because, you know, let's say that uh, one of my staff members makes a mistake. Let's say that I am on the line and I found out. And that's that's the data, right? If the willingness is there, meaning if the person wants to do the job, is there to do the job, uh, and so on, then it's always a lack of information or instructions. Then, of course, there are people that don't want to do the job. They just are there to be nasty. Okay, that's a different story. But right. if the person is willing, then usually the mistake is on management uh, that needs to take a bit more responsibility and making sure that the guy is well-trained or fully understands. So usually the first question is, uh, hi, how can I help you? If the person makes a mistake, says, hey, I noticed this mistake. How did it happen? Did you understand what you needed to do? How can I help you? We have a we have a whole protocol on how to deal with mistakes. because. You know, people don't understand, very often entrepreneurs don't understand that it's really an incredible asset to have a staff member, to have an employee. You invested so much more than the salary in getting the person to understand the company, get oriented, especially if you grow. So I am very hesitant when it comes to authorized uh, to let go someone and so on and so forth, because actually the value connected to the person is so high for the organization as well that usually is 
always better to try to salvage, explain, give more data, resolve, than uh, than proceed with uh, eliminating the individual. Now, I need to make a a, a little um, adjustment. You, you read in the beginning my the statement on who we are and who we are not. Yeah, and it 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 is true that that's that's the concept, right? We have a, a small team of Navy SEALs that go in, handle cycles, and and get out. But our infrastructure at this point is uh, about over 150 employees, yeah, and it's going to probably go higher. But we did it the way that I described there, so they're actually embedded into the different companies uh, with uh, different CEOs and and so on. But our yeah, that makes yeah that makes sense. That makes sense because if you're business model involves rather than getting paid a fee to be an outside agency to actually invest in the companies, if I'm stating that correctly, then yeah, yeah. you are going to have different teams in different companies. And that's a natural yeah. part of merger, mergers, acquisitions, and investments. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That, that's uh, yeah, that's how we, we approach the business. And we are, we're going to be for sure on, on Inc. this year with this particular company, maybe with two of them. Um, so you're having a lot of fun. Exactly. Exactly. So final question here, as we wrap up here, and yeah. we may have touched on this just a little bit when sure. it comes to scalability. And I want to mm-hmm. point out for our listeners, you guys might've been expecting some roadmap that's step-by-step how to scale, how to go from startup to first revenue, to hiring a virtual assistant, to getting, to affording a copywriter. Well, no, 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 no. What I was very happy to do here with Andrea is look at some of the deeper issues, the things just beneath the surface that may be getting in the way of your scalability. For instance, if you're not bringing wow factor from one step to the next in your organization, you're not going to be able to scale because your roadblocks are going to be internal. And if you're looking Mm -hmm. at those roadblocks incorrectly, you could be alienating good people who just simply need a little more communication. And that could be the only issue. So I wanted to just point that out. Uh, In addition to scalability and tied to it is predictability. Because we, I mean, although it is a roller coaster ride, we got to have some idea what's going on here. So how do you build a system of predictability to drive sales and growth in your business as you scale? Mm -hmm. So uh, predictability comes from experience uh, and, and testing. Uh, we, we have a model that we call uh, predictable growth, uh, but it comes from the fact that we can truly predict how uh, the business will grow. And we do it by an initial phase of uh, really in-depth analysis of target and then uh, uh, a, a system of testing that allow us to predict how much money we're going to make based on the money invested in advertising and communication. So, but it's something that is built. I can tell you this, man. The, the concept of predictable growth resides in the vast majority in the quality of the team that you have built and its ability to pivot, to change what you're doing. The, the speed with which technology is evolving is so much higher that a bunch of businesses will find them with the best business strategies and marketing strategies right now will become blockbusters in a world of Netflix in a very short period of time. For example, if they don't understand how to use NFTs in their business and uh, why the world is evolving in Web3 and so on. So right. they will need to evolve, which means that marketing strategies, although very nice, very cool, very fancy, are um, have a lifespan. You cannot think that your marketing strategy will continue to work in the future. You cannot. What will not change are people. So if you under- deeply understand people, 
you can and you keep studying people, you can pivot into different strategies that will keep you relevant. Uh, but I, sometimes customers come to me and ask, uh, well, not anymore, but used to come to me and ask me for, okay, how can we know that it will work? And as an entrepreneur, if you are an entrepreneur, you, how can you know? Like, why do know you need to sure. know? You can't. You can't. There is uh-huh. no way, right? You can have like past statistics. So that's how I respond to my to the customer when they ask, okay, how do we know how much money we're going to make on this strategy? I, my answer is like, look, each strategy is as good as last week. Like whatever it did last week, that's how good the strategy is. You can come, I can come to a potential customer with, with my previous accomplishments. So those are measurable. They happen. One can look at them. One can inspect them, call past customers, or they're all present customers, but call customers and find out, right? So that's real. The hypothesis of how much money one will make in a strategy, that's so unreal because you don't know. Because, right. I don't know, uh, Russia, you know, declares war to Ukraine and everything goes to shit. So now you need to pivot to something else. But all the beautiful uh-huh. spreadsheets that you've done before are are irrelevant because the condition changed. So the ability to the team to pivot, that's why I use the analogy of a Navy SEAL team. The ability to pivot, to find themselves in unforeseen situations and pivot and change and still succeed is, is really based on how much faith you have in your team to pull it off, no matter what the circumstances are, then whatever PowerPoint one can present. Yeah. Right before I got out of the web development business, one of our longtime customers, who's actually still a customer of my business today, actually a customer of both my businesses, because uh-huh. his business has evolved along with what I provide. Uh, yeah. He was having a lot of problems with his websites getting hacked, and it had to do with mm a vulnerability within a certain theme that was being used for several of his WordPress installations. Now, this is a guy who over the years had had all kinds of bespoke customizations done to his WordPress themes, the CSS files, and and doing all this stuff that supposedly was really majorly important. So he was in a situation where it seemed like every time he turned around, he was hearing from somebody else that they were mm-hmm. trying to visit his website and they were getting a security alert warning. Mm. And so I, so I got to the point, I said, look, um, and I, and I, and I took the tone of the endodontist to seize the person who needs the root canal and says, look, I can make the pain go away. If you <laughs> okay, come yeah. sit in my chair, I can have, I, this, this, this pain will be over in 90 minutes. Well, to rebuild all this stuff took longer than 90 minutes. And I had to get a team of three to expedite it. But yeah, I said to him, I, I can make the hacking stop. Yeah. The, the deal is when we're done with our process, your hacking will be done. All of your stuff will be up to date. And that's all. That's it. And he said, yes, I'm, I'm tired of getting hacked. I'm tired of being embarrassed. I'm tired of answering all these questions. Just make the hack stop. I said, "Cool. Look the other way." Uh, it took about a week, and it took about a week, uh, but everything was done. And I said, "All right, all your stuff's rebuilt. Uh, some of it may look a little bit different. Uh, we maintained all of your brand and theme characteristics, but there's some new themes involved. We updated a few things along the line that we saw, and yep. uh, that's it. I'm not going to give you a grand tour. I'm just telling you it's done. And the reason I said it that way." is because I wanted him to see if he even remembered 
to look for all those little customizations were allegedly so important. You know what I got? You know, you, you know what feedback I got? What do you got? I got, this is amazing. Thank you so much for not only fixing this, but bringing us to the next generation. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was <laughs> that's it. Nice. <laughs> so, that's it. So this is my adv- advice to people who get stuck on little things like, oh, making sure that the headshot aligns perfectly with the text on the landing page and little stuff like that. And this is something I actually learned to say very early in my in that in that eight years I was in web development. I said, you know what, you're you're getting hung up on measuring eight millimeters versus six millimeters and even caring about Internet Explorer six, one of the 20 worst softwares of all time. Of all you know, time. Do you, yeah. Do you Amen. realize? Yeah. Do you realize that everything we're building now will be obsolete within three years and we don't know the reason why yet? Very much so. And they okay. said, Oh, well, but then why then why did I hire you? I, I want something that's built to last. I said, Well, the content will probably still be largely valuable. The brand will probably still carry, but I can bet you a week's worth of lunch money you'll be rebuilding this website in three years. See, I was saying that, I was saying that right before smartphones became a thing. Oh, I see. Wow. And all of of a sudden, Internet Explorer 6 didn't matter anymore. Mobile compatibility was what mattered. Yep. And everybody had to update because if you weren't mobile compatible, you were not on the internet. Yep. And And then then, 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 flash. yeah, and then the search engine stepped in and said, if you're not mobile compatible, we're going to delist you. And then I heard what you said. The moment they had all the little dancing people on the websites and people got obsessed with making sure that the person's foot landed exactly on the button in Internet Explorer 6, almost the next day, Apple came through and said, we no longer support Flash. And <laughs> poof, there went the little dancing people. Bye. Yeah. And, you haven't really, and you haven't really seen the dancing people since. Now, have you? Nope. They're they're totally totally gone. Flash one, yeah, totally gone. yeah. Flash and the rise of mobile compatibility correlated with each other because Big there time. were a lot of things that Flash was not capable of doing on what they were developing as far as mobile applications. So it wasn't a direct soup the nuts or tit for tat correlative decision, but the two kind of worked together since. They weren't going to be able to do those things on mobile phones. They kind of decided to just not even try yeah, and push everybody toward a new way of viewing online marketing. It was quite a, quite a journey at that point in time. Although, yeah, I, I wasn't in business yet, but uh, yeah. uh, shortly after I, I got in business, I, I don't know, maybe a few years after, I think I was in high school at that point in time. But anyways, I remember the change, and I remember even more the change between Blockbuster and uh, and uh, when it, when Blockbuster disappeared. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, that, that was a big change. But the point is that technology evolves, and uh, there there is a phenomena that was outlined in uh, South uh, South by Southwest a few years ago, yeah. uh, which I found it very interesting at that point in time. Which they they called it digital Darwinism. Which yep. corresponds to when society evolves faster than your ability to adapt. So technology evolves too fast, and you just cannot adapt your business and so on. And so you become a blockbuster, factually. Right. So yeah, uh, we need people like you that spread the message of innovation to <laughs> to keep relevant. You know, and we need people. And we need people like you who are willing to look beyond. Well, let's run bigger Facebook ads and hire more people. Is the answer is the scalability. 
I mean, I, I, and I've spoken about scalability many times. We've had a number of guests on Business Creators Radio Show who've spoken to the topic and of the topic of scalability, but mm-hmm. you are the first that we've seen, and some actually have gone forensic and gone to the micro level, but you're the mm-hmm. first that I've seen look at it in this way from the perspective of motivation and collaboration. That's what resonated with me, you know, man. And yeah. I think it does with you too. Right? Yes. I, I feel you are of the same uh, of the same mold, so to speak. And um, we have this thing in common. I, make, I'm looking make, forward make, to make, make, making deadlines matter in two easy steps. And the wow factor Beautiful. are two sides of the same coin. I, I 100% agree with yep. you. Well, and I'm looking forward. To- Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. I, I know we are so excited about this. This is what I mean by our listeners. When I say the mastermind thing gets so excited, yeah. you start completing each other's sentences. So let me get into the <laughs> final question. We are Please. at the top of the hour. We are basically done here. So yep. I'm going to turn over the floor to you one more time. And I'm going to ask how, if for those who are leaning on the edge of their seat and want to discover more about scaling their business, perhaps getting your involvement in that, mm-hmm. what's the first step? For my involvement, uh, okay, there are uh, a couple of criteria that needs to be met. Uh, yeah. I am very interested, always interested in looking to acquire small companies. So you need to have a, uh, you have to have a turnover at least a couple of million dollars to be yep. interesting. N- not in the profit, but uh, at least in revenue. And then right. contact me um, if you want to expand your business, not sell your business, but expand your business. Um, then. You don't have to be at $2 million, but you need to be willing to really follow what I tell you. So there needs to be someone that doesn't have too much ego, that wants to find a team that will help him to to achieve results and to scale. Um, And really, those are really the characteristics. We took a bunch of businesses from $300 to $2 million, $5 million. I can give you names like Body Contours, Angel Longevity, uh, Viva Concepts. So there are many that we scaled. I've I've seen some of them already. It's awesome. All yeah, right. Thank you. So yeah. Uh, there you so, go. Tell, That's so, it. Tell us, so tell us what website you'd like us to visit. Oh, they can go on monarchy.io. Monarchy.io. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. So with that, Andrea D'Agostini, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been it was a pleasure. Honor, and believe me, an education. The honor was mine, Adam. Thank you so much for your service to really to the community of entrepreneurs. And I'm looking forward to admire your results and your achievements. And likewise. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.